music of the night. I really like that one. The I lyrics were kind of hot. You know, let it possess you, feel it, eat it, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to eat something. Follow there. it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Romancing the Monsters. I'm Ben. Hi, I'm S. I'm Seth. And today we have another movie commentary review discussion for you. Though, does it count as a movie or does it count as a musical? I'm not sure. Uh, maybe the expert here uh, can let <laughs> us know. Uh, but we watched The Phantom of the Opera today. Let's just get straight into it. First of all, answer my question, please, because that's a genuine question on my part. Does it count? As- uh, I mean, like, it's a it's a musical, but it's filmed theatrically. Okay. So I think it's a musical. Would it count as an opera? Um, I think it's just referred to as, like, a, a musical. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we watched what version, Seth? Tell us all the details. We watched the 2004 theatrical version with Gerard Butler as the Phantom and Emmy Rossum mm-hmm. as Christine Daae. Um, and yeah, it was just like the one that they filmed by, uh, is it Joel Schumacher? Uh, sure. That's a director. And <laughs> Joel, Joel. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I'm like, mm-hmm. Exactly, <laughs> I can't exactly say his like name. That. I meant Joel. Um, anyways, uh, should I get into like the quick description? Yeah. Okay, um, so it's basically, this movie is like a whole big flashback to when the opera house was in its prime, um, and that's where we see Christine, um, she's a young girl, she's a dancer, she ends up taking on the role of, I guess, lead singer, um, lead opera singer in the opera house because of uh, Miss Diva. She doesn't want to uh, take part in certain things, so she decides to be a diva and leave, but Christine Daae is there, and she takes the part of the singer. And she's able to sing so well because of her teacher that she refers to as her angel of music. And she believes that angel to be sent by her father who had died. And um, she gets instant success and she's like famous all over and people want to listen to her. And she also meets um, Raoul who is this rich guy who was her childhood best friend. And... um, through their reminiscing of their past, they end up falling in love again. But at the same time, she has something going on with now that she knows he's the Phantom of the Opera who's taken her to his lair underground, I guess. And she's kind of just put in this weird position of recognizing that maybe her angel of music might not be so angelic-like. And uh, she needs to figure out uh, what to do there. Yeah, so <laughs> the fun thing with musicals is that most of the storytelling is done through the music, through the yeah. lyrics. And uh, usually where the character starts at the beginning of the song is not where they end at the end of the song. They have gone through, you know, changes as a person. They've discovered things. They've fallen in love, fallen out of love, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so in this case, you know, the lyrics of the songs are actually quite important uh, exactly. to take in as part of the story. Um, where would you, well, I mean, before we start this discussion, what do you guys think of this movie? I was going to forget to ask. Let's, let's get Seth out of the way. Cause I mean, we all know your feelings, don't we? <laughs> all right. I love it. I, okay. To be honest though, I haven't watched the 2004 version in years. Like I honestly, like if I'm feeling like the itch to watch Phantom of the Opera, I would watch the. 25th anniversary the london version that was filmed um i love that one that one's my absolute favorite um this one's really good and i feel like it did capture a lot of emotions but i feel like for me personally the london version captured all the emotions and like the phantom is portrayed in a way that i perceived him um as someone that's like touch starved and like someone that just like is afraid of like any sort of like 
positive emotion, but like he wants it and yearns for it. This one though, I really enjoyed it as like a movie as well. Like I just feel like just watching it as a movie is also really fun. So yeah, I enjoyed it. I just haven't watched it in a while. So it's good to revisit. Uh, okay. Um, so for me, this is my second time watching. Um, this specific one? This one, yeah. I okay. watched mm-hmm. the first time because of G. So shout out to her. I think this is one of her favorite movies. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. G is one of my best friends and I didn't and know I, that. Yeah, this is one of her, her favorites. And I remember watching it because of her. Um, shout out, G. Yeah. And Stranger, I don't know you apparently. Who is she? Don't know. <laughs> Who is she? So the first time I watched it, I watched it with just it's no thoughts. Just watched just watched it. Uh this one uh-huh. um I felt like I picked up a lot of different um the way people describe their relationship mm. and what I see online is completely different from what I saw when I watched it the second time. Um, what what do you mean by that? What do you usually see online? Just loving someone that's like how Seth said, uh, touch starved, someone that wants to be loved. Um, it's just something that's very beautiful and kind of, I don't want to say forbidden, just tragic and, you know. Yeah. And this time I, I felt like it was more, their love was like more manipulative. Hmm. Okay. I mean, I could, I can see that take and yeah. Okay. I mean, I think it's part of it, you know? Yeah. He can be manipulative and manipulative in how he's treating her and care for her at the same time. Mm-hmm. Does not make one of the, you know, doesn't make his mm-hmm. love then okay, but it doesn't yeah. mean that he, do- that it's not there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, the music, the songs. But you wouldn't justify or like call the the relationship between the Phantom and Christine as love. No. Okay. I don't think so. I'm like, there's. I think. And she's Miss Psycho Lover over right, there. Miss Dark Romance obsessed. E- exactly, and that's one of the things that I kept popping into my mind. Like another psycho to add to my list, but I'm just like, eh, kind of second guessing <laughs> a little bit. Maybe not. No. But um, interesting. I really wonder what's the one thing that makes it different for you here. Like, is it the songs? Like, I just I don't know. Is it the actors? Like, there's something here that's different for you. So I think it's the fact seeing her face when he takes her down to his mm. lair and the way she's just like in trance. I mean, if a ho- like a hot masked man was singing to me, I think I would be in trance too and telling, talking to me about like caressing. And- I mean, yeah, but I can see what she means where she, she kind of seems out of it. Yeah, and it's not really, it doesn't feel like she's like consenting to it all the way. She's yeah. in a trance. That's never she's- stopped you before. Us. No, of course <laughs> not. But for some reason, see, okay, so reading it, you you in my mind it's playing some way yeah and seeing it it's completely different yeah and I also feel like one thing that's like when you say manipulative obviously we go to like him using that belief that you know he is her angel of music sent by her father Mm -hmm. so that's also really manipulative yeah does he believe himself to be though no I think he just uses that so he's able to win her affection I think he could legit be cocky enough to be like, maybe I am, in fact, an angel of music sent to you from the heavens. Who knows? I honestly, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, sorry, um, how did you feel about it? Because you didn't talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Felt for a second there you were going to skip me over. No, I was not. I was trying to get so that go <laughs> get to you so you can talk about it. Um, okay. So I would say I'm fairly new to Phantom of the Opera. Um, Mm -hmm. The only version I've ever watched was two years ago, and it was the very, very, very first uh, adaptation. 1925. (laughs) Yeah, so it's a silent movie. It's black and white. The music is live by an orchestra. There's no, like, singing parts or anything. It's a dry to say the least. Um, so I was actually excited to revisit this, uh, you know, in a more uh, modern retelling, not modern as in like the years that it takes place in, but you know, just <laughs> was done in the last 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I have, maybe I haven't said this before, but um, 
I don't like musicals. I hate musicals, in fact. Yes, I know. Um, but I really enjoyed this one, and I'm not sure what was different here, uh, but it was kind of groovy. And, like, I lit- legit loved the songs, mm-hmm. you know? I love the songs. Um, but I loved it. I loved Jared Butler as the Phantom, um, and I really liked, uh, what's her the name of uh, Emily? Emmy Rossum. Emmy Rossum, uh, who plays Christine, and whoever played Raoul was perfect for that role. Patrick hated Wilson. Him. Hated mm-hmm. him. Wait, did you say you hated him? Oh, I Raoul? hated that guy. I, yeah, I hated him, I too. Hate, he's annoying as fuck. I just... Ugh. He's like the Prince Charming version yeah. of the Beast that you yeah. don't want. <laughs> yeah. No, no, not only that, just the way, like, he acted, he's just, like, I don't know, I just, like, his character was never one that I was in love with, or, like, I liked. But in any adaptation, I feel like he's always kind of asshole-ish, and, like, thinks that he he owns Christine. Yes. Like, he's, like, he's got his sights on her, and he's, like, she's she's mine. mine. And, And in a way that, like, doesn't sit right, because whereas the Phantom knows that his like ownership over Christine is wrong, but he still wants it. For Raoul, it's like he doesn't think it's wrong. He thinks it's his it's his right yeah, to it's own his her. Due. And like I also Ugh. have this like I the feeling that in a way he feels like he's saving her from the opera house. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that was I was mid set. What was that? <laughs> absolutely. I hate him. He's like a jock. I don't know why. Yes! He's like a jock, but he's like a jock. Anywho, um, where do you guys want to start this conversation? I don't know. Like, the the relationship between the Phantom and Christine? Or, like, where do you want to start? Sure. Okay. Um, Okay, so the context in which I read... uh, Read... (laughs) The context in which I watched this movie the first time was in uh, a 20th century literature class. Okay. And in it, we read a text that was very interesting. It was an essay on The Phantom of the Opera, which has kind of stayed with me because I think it applies to um, a lot of what we say usually about monsters and the attraction to to monsters, the attraction to villains... Etc. And the whole text is essentially about, uh, I'll just give you the title in case anyone's interested and wants to do a little research. Uh, it's called The Silent Threat, a reviewing of the uh, sexual other in The Phantom of the Opera by Andrew P. Williams. And essentially, just long story short, what it's about is he's sort of seeing the phantom as the darker sexual side of Christine. And when Christine crosses the mirror, she taps into that darker side of herself that's not allowed to women. Yeah. So she explores her sexuality in that way, her dark desires. And when she's out and and, and in the mirror, she's kind of protected from Raoul, who represents patriarchy. And so in that way, the Phantom of the Opera stands as a threat to patriarchal ways of our society because he's taking her away and letting her explore a side of herself. I mean, it's kind of not really implied, but definitely implied that, like, they have sex, (laughs) the Phantom (laughs) and Christine. Um, So she's discovering you know, the, and, and the deeper they go, there's this whole thing about the deeper they go, the deeper she goes into herself and her desires, you know, the yeah. deeper she explores herself. Uh, and outside of the mirror, she's she's Raoul's possession, you know, and she he sort of embodies that role of protector and owner. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very interesting text. And I just think it's just it applies to so many things that we read and why that kind of darker villainous character is so interesting especially for women um as a woman because it's like you're allowed to explore a side of yourself that society tells you and patriarchy tells you not to explore yeah um Um, no i agree with that that's a really good take on that and it's something like I never really thought about but like it's so true and like I feel like you only ever see her in some sort of like undress or like not properly covered which is with the phantom and it's like with when she's with Raoul she's like prim and proper innocent like you know Mm -hmm. she's very like um 
I don't know, like bending her head, listening to whatever he says, listening to whatever the managers say. But with the Phantom, she's actually like she's voicing her own opinions and she's talking. Mm-hmm, and yeah. um, yo, I don't know if you even noticed, but like even her eye makeup got darker when she was with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and and the the flip side to that is that outside of underground, the Phantom doesn't have the power that he has underground. Yes. When he's above ground, he kind of loses that because he's a part of her darker self, but she's not her darker self out mm-hmm. of the mirror. So it's super interesting. How did you feel? Didn't it feel like he was kind of like Hades taking her down? To oh, yeah. I mean, hello. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is making me crave like a proper, really good Hades and Persephone uh, at movie adaptation mm-hmm. or TV show, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, does it even exist? I don't think it does. Yeah, I don't think, I don't it, think does it does either. But like, let's also acknowledge that yes, he was manipulative, and yes, he did oh, murder people. Yes, he did certain things. But I also feel like we need to recognize that his love for Christine, that he felt for her, was like really pure and just beautiful in a sense where like. He never really expected anything at the beginning of it. He more so just, like, wanted to, like, spend time with her and, like, teach her how to sing, teach her how to use her voice. And he got nothing out of that relationship. And then I know, like, obviously he's not a great guy, but, like, just, like, his presence there. Like, of course he was her angel Mm -hmm. of music, but at the same time, he helped her heal her grief in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely see that. One scene, because Seth sent us uh, a few clips from the opera version or whatever that's called. Yeah, the London, the 25th anniversary. And I will say one scene that I thought Jared Butler did way better than the other actor was the kiss scene. To me, the way that Jared Butler reacts when he starts crying, when she kisses him, and it's like to him, it's finally the like the one thing that he's always wanted, like to feel desired and wanted and to feel touched in that way. Like the way he starts crying, ooh, it got to no, me. No, okay, that got me in that movie too. But for me, it's like when I watched Ramin, which is the guy that played the Phantom on the 25th anniversary, for some reason his reaction and like how he looked so broken and that's when he – for me, at least, he looked like a like a child again. You know, like he's like, what like what do I do? Like I, the woman that I love kissed me, and like you know, he just seems so broken down in the London version that I I didn't really see in the Gerard Butler version. Oh, I disagree. I feel like you can see him split in in half. Like he just no. I think he, he did the he did the scene really well, but like for some reason, I felt like Ramin hit me more than Gerard did in his act. I will say that. The flip side to that is uh, in the London version, when Christine gives him back his ring, she does it way better than... Uh, yeah. What's her... I, f- I forgot her name again. Or Emmy Rossum. Emmy. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, the, her facial expression, how she breaks when she hands over the, the ring, like, that, that was really good. And it looks like she was so, like, torn with her decision in that mm, version. Yeah. Okay. The kissing scene, mm. I did watch, and I just rewatched the the, the movie version. Um, and I agree. I have to agree with Seth that I felt there was more emotion in the, the clips that you sent and the way his facial expression was. I felt that kiss more emotional than Gerard Butler's. I don't know. I feel like if you ever have the opportunity to watch it in its entirety and, like, actually experience Ramin as a Phantom and Sierra as Christine, honestly do it because, like, their acting and the way that they've portrayed it makes me, like, honestly believe they're the best Phantom and Christine that I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot. I've seen this on Broadway, like, I think at least three times. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I love it. It's, like, literally my favorite musical I've ever seen. Here's a question. Speaking of the Phantom of, and, and Christine... If they had ended up together, do you think it's a relationship that could have lasted or no? We're not talking about the sequel, right? Oh, there's what? <laughs> Excuse me? Oh, I didn't even yeah. see there was a sequel. There there was a sequel. Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote and everything, and then the same actors out on the 25th anniversary. They were in the sequel, and uh, they filmed the Australian version, though. But uh, What happens we- in the sequel? <laughs> spoilers for anyone that did not uh watch it but basically they uh they have a song and it's called beneath the moonless sky you find out that uh christine decides to uh run to the phantom 
and she finds him and then beneath a moonless sky they fuck again and then again um literally the song is about him caressing her kissing her and like she doing the same and like how their souls are intertwined and like they were together um great song by the way you find out that she got pregnant and she had a kid for the phantom and it was all about him oh. finding out that that was his child um and like her really recognizing that she loves the phantom and in the end she does choose him but then ultimately she dies kind of because of it um and he gets his child but he finally finds another person that can love him and like is loved by him he finds someone else his That's child interesting his child oh. I thought she meant another woman. I was like, no, mm. it's because that stupid blonde <laughs> bitch Meg. She shot Christine. She shot Christine. Yeah, because she's like, oh, why could the Phantom not love me? And you know what? I got those vibes. Right? I got the vibes too. Yes. And I was like, so why Meg? Why her? Wait, 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 one? wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The the ballerina, her friend. Yeah. Shot her. Hmm. She's jealous or something? No, it was by she was trying to kill herself because the fandom's like, I will never love you. I've only ever loved Christine. Christine's my only woman. And then like she legit like I don't know the gun kind of goes off I think and then Christine gets shot and then the Phantom and her are like crying and she's like you know just love just live just give what you can give all this stuff and then she just dies after he kisses her. It's really sad. I mean, I, I that's a plot twist that I wasn't expecting. Uh, I I would have expected it more from her mom. Who seemed weirdly really into the Phantom yeah. without ever going close. I was like, girl, hello. You just dropped him off at your uh, at the opera house. And then you just, you're just looking from afar. But li- then weirdly like arranging for Christine to fall into his trap. Like, that's fishy. Yeah. <laughs> but the sequel is not widely liked because of like the direction it went. And because mm. I think in a way it kind of humanized the Phantom. And, like, gave him characteristics of, like, an actual man. Like, he's no longer like this. The internet doesn't like humanizing monsters. Yeah, no. And, like, I don't know. Just seeing him interact with his child, I feel like that was just really monumental for me. And, like, that's why I would never write off the sequel. Like, of, of course, I don't like Christine dying in the end. But at the same time, it gave me a side of them that I honestly, like, I felt like was lacking for me. And just seeing their love as, like, two grown adults, because it takes place ten years later. But, okay, so let's say the sequel doesn't exist, just yeah. for a moment. You know, this kind of ends with, and it wouldn't be a Romancing the Monsters episode without us jumping into the end, 23 I know, right? Episode. <laughs> um, but it ends with uh, her marrying Raoul anyway. She's dead. <laughs> Um, and he goes to her grave and uh, he notices that there's a rose there with the ring from yeah. the phantom. Um, so we know that like the phantom probably, you know, stayed around, which makes sense to me because, you know, he told her, like, I just want to be wherever you are. Yeah. So it makes sense to me that he probably like followed Lived her in the basement. her yeah. whole life. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about that? And, and to answer my question, like, again, forget that the sequel exists, like the Phantom and, and, and Christine get together at the end of this movie. Do you think they can actually, uh, stay to stay together? Do you think they can sustain a relationship between the the two of them? Uh, what do you think? I feel like I talked a lot. (laughs) I I feel like I want to say yes. Really? Really? After yes. you saying that Explain they're... yourself, girl. Because cause I'm thinking back when she finally accepts him. They kiss, she accepts him, and he just kind of realizes, like, no, like... And he pushes her away. I don't know. I, f- I feel like her... In that moment, she accepted him. Is there mm-hmm. a child in the room? No, it's a, a <laughs> ice cream man that was passing by right now. <laughs> Was, like her ghost this? child just like <laughs> playing some music or some shit that was creepy as hell no it's the little <laughs> ice cream truck song or whatever okay you cut off her thought um continue us sorry i got freaked out okay i don't even know what i was gonna say you were talking about the end scene where she, where he realizes yeah she realizes she wants him so in that moment yes i feel like if they would have stayed together i think it could have worked out because she finally accepted him and he was just like, okay, like, finally, he has his moment. But it kind of clicked and he's just like, no, like, I can't do that to her. I can't. Because let's yeah. say if they do stay together, he, he I don't think he would have been willing to go out, right? No, I don't mm. think he would have been willing to leave the darkness. 
So now let me change my answer and say no, it wouldn't have worked though. <laughs> I just okay, for that reason, you know. Go ahead. <laughs> no, for me, I think they could have, but I also feel like she would have to be willing to let go of her ideas of like society and like the patriarchy, I guess, like the control that it has on her for mm-hmm. them to have a relationship. And I it might have been like a different type of relationship than what she had with Raoul, obviously mm-hmm. because I don't see him leaving the darkness anytime soon. Um but then he possibly could have if he found a place where he belonged, but at the same time he didn't trust any any like any person at all besides her. Um I don't know. I feel like it could have worked. Plus he's I rich. mean I guess based on this text, I guess she couldn't because there is no place for a woman who is completely freed of inhibition in a patriarchal society. Yeah. It doesn't exist. She would exist outside of, you know, the system. So, like, could could she? I don't know. What kind of life would they lead? You know, I'm not I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure. It would have been a life of music and song and beautiful, beautiful um, sex. But is that enough to sustain you for life? Well, I mean, they're both musical individuals. And maybe, you know, she always said, like, you know, when she's singing, she just, you know, feels amazing. He writes the songs, she sings them. I mean, obviously, yes. Realistically speaking, I don't think that was enough. But I feel like their love for each other was what could have been strong. Because even, like, you look at the people around her, would they accept her? Well. Still. Or would they lead, lead a life of, uh, you know, isolation? That's the thing. I think as soon as she chooses to be with him, she'd have to let go of everyone else she knew. That's kind of sad. Nobody yeah. wants that. Um, I will say one thing to note for me was the fact that when she makes that choice, you know, because he's like, oh, well, either you love me and you accept my proposal and you become my bride or uh, Raul dies. And, you know, uh, I think for three of us here, uh, the choice is non-existent. Well, I mean, I don't know. S what S wasn't against Raul completely. So who knows? Right. Um, I think it's it's note worthy the fact that when she makes that decision the wording is i think god put me on this earth to like something like to show you that you're not alone no okay it's god give me courage god give me courage to find (laughs) miss fact checker with the lyrics it's okay it's okay you continue well long story short i just think that the wording here is interesting because to me it's almost as if it's not her decision it's well this was my purpose it's got it's kind of like she she what's the word displaces no is it uh the responsibility or the choice onto god and not i am making this decision because i want it well, it's I mean, in the words, I just remembered it. It's like, God, give me courage to show you you're not alone. I had to sing it in my head. I wasn't going to sing it aloud because you don't need that. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, honestly, just, like, the the word choice there is, like, show you that you're not alone. And, like, she knows, like, deep down that that's one of his, you know, his fears. It's just, like, always being alone. And, like, he is always alone. And, like, yeah, I just. Yeah, but she's she's not. She's not taking it on she, to herself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the interesting mm-hmm. part. It's like there's still something there that she's she doesn't quite want to tie herself to. Well, because society keeps telling her, obviously, he's a murderer and a psychopath. You cannot mm. be with him. Because whenever she's alone with him... <laughs> I feel like you're so mad. No, I mean, like, yes, I'm mad. But at the same way, I like the way it ended and I like how the story happened because it's like mm-hmm. it is a tragedy. Um, mm. But for me, I just like I look at the way that she interacts with him when she's alone with him, but then when she goes and like she's I guess on surface or whatever with she, when she's with Raoul or like the managers or whatever, they change her like her image of him in a way like you know like obviously yes he's a murderer yes he's not her angel of music but at the same time, whatever she perceived him as is no longer considered her truth like she no longer sees him that way because of what everyone else is telling her what society is telling her about him. Um, also, I just want to point out that uh, Raoul needs to see her sing 
and be, uh, you know, coveted by the spectators or whatever mm-hmm. to see her because before then he wasn't seeing her for who she was. Whereas the Phantom loved her from day one, even when she was nobody. Exactly. And okay, now this is the perfect time to talk about Raul and Christine. How did you feel about their Hate relationship them. in quotations? Wait, I'm who's, who's relationship? Christine and who? Exactly. Who? Who? Who's oh, Raul? Then it who? doesn't matter. <laughs> We're going to ask. <laughs> um, no, I generally want to know, like, did you have any thoughts towards Raul and Christine as a couple? As a, I mean, not really. Like, Raul, like, there's no thoughts about him other than there was a moment where I'm like, oh, they're, they're childhood friends, you know? Do you believe their love was true? No, because mm. they're thinking back of when they were younger. Yeah, they're older now. Like it's it's people change, things change, and they can't go yeah. back to their young selves mm-hmm. and how they were when her father was alive. Preach right, it, young. girl. I mean, you said yeah, that so. the Phantom and Christine, like it was manipulative. It to me, Raoul and Christine is just as manipulative because there's a purpose behind what he's doing. You know, Mm -hmm. he wants her because someone else wants her. Someone else has her and he wants her back now that he's seen her value. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very, I I don't know. To me, it's like, it's not as obvious as what the Phantom is doing, which again is part of the appeal of the villain to me. Because like villains aren't hiding their motives. You know exactly what they want and what they're doing and they're doing wrong and they're like, yeah, I don't care. Whereas with characters like Raoul, it's like he resembles to me much more real life villains that hide their darker motives behind a pretty mask and a cocky attitude and charisma. Mm-hmm. What is that prince from Frozen that he pretends to be like? Prince that that he's exactly that, that prince. Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. So I I don't feel anything for that relationship to me. It it doesn't do anything. It's I don't know. Something about it is is well slimy. No, I agree with both of you. And like I said, it's they fell in love with their past and they kept reminiscing about that. They don't really know each other, like, who they are as adults. Like, how do you know you love that person as an adult? And, like, I honestly, like, I'm thinking back to, like, that song, like, All I Ask of You, when they're on the roof and, like, they're talking, I guess, singing about their emotions. That Her, she is, like, talking about her fears and, like, her horrors and, like, her ability to maybe not be, like, she's not able to do, like, sing in front of everyone and all Mm. of that. And he just, like, automatically goes to, like, I love you and this is going to work. We're going to be together. We're going to be married. Um... And it's just like you're not even listening to her and what she's fearing. You're just telling her to turn herself away from the like the darkness and yeah. just like you know come to the light. And I'm like, boy, chillax, let her. But talk. why? Give me a reason to why. And let's not forget that at the end, when he's trying to trap the phantom, he uses her, and she tells him, "I don't want to do this. I know it's gonna t- end badly for me. Mm-hmm. I know the phantom is gonna take me. I know I don't want to do this. I'm scared." She literally tells him, "I am." scared yeah and he's like i don't care we're doing Mm -hmm. this and he puts her on that stage and he waits and then he sees her on the stage and all her beautiful undress and like being touched up by the phantom this man's crying Mm -hmm. and it's really it was just like i just did not want to see him in that scene because that scene was hot af and i did not need it (laughs) besides that one moment you know after that scene where the phantom kind of grabs her and brings her back to his lair I feel like the Phantom, while yes, when she's with him, she's kind of entranced, which, like Seth said, (laughs) me too, girl. Uh, But he's offering a hand. You know, he's like, come with me. Mm -hmm. There's like a a question to it, you know? Of course, one could argue, is it really a choice in the end? Or like as said, is she kind of like, you know, out of it and kind of just feels a little forced to, you know, grab his hand or whatever. Are you talking about, like, the Phantom of the Opera song? Like, when he reaches through the mirror? Yeah, yeah, Like, the very beginning. You know, there's, like, a a question there. Like, an offering. Do you want to come with me? Come with me. Whereas, Rao, it's, like, forceful in a different way. He literally, she's like, I can't come out and eat dinner. Like, I have to stay and I have to go to bed. And he's like, no, I'll I'll, I'll get you in. Like, you can literally come out 
like tonight with me. Yeah, but then she also says the Phantom is very strict, and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what does he do? Your master, huh? Mm. Yeah. No, honestly, Raul was not. He did not pass the vibe check for me. No, he doesn't. He really or his doesn't. hair. As was on point with that uh, prince from Frozen. Yeah, he was Hans for sure. Um, but yeah, sorry, anything else you guys want to talk about? Like, like, whoa, we totally bypassed my song, and we just talked about it, but we didn't actually talk about it. Which one? The song that he wrote that they had to perform, Past the Point of No Return. The, yeah. How did you guys feel about that song? How does it go? Can you sing a little bit? Past <laughs> the Point of No Return. <laughs> no going back, no. <laughs> 10 out of 10. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I practiced since Bravo. I was nine. Bravo. Um, loved it. But it was hot. It was hot. I, lo- I know. It was so hot. I mean, that's the sex song right there. Right? It literally is a song about sex. They're doing it in front of an audience. Yeah. You love to see yeah. it. She's talking about our bodies intertwining, mm. like, past the point of no return. Mm. And, like, past the point of no <laughs> return. And no turning back now. No turning back now. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really loved the song at the beginning. The one that I tweeted about. I don't. Uh, music, music of the, of night. the night. Music of the night. I really like that one. The I lyrics were kind of hot. You know, let it possess you, feel it, eat it, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to eat something. Swallow man. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, loved that one. Uh, okay, where I was going with that was, did you yeah, have sorry. the chance of watching the London version, any of you? Yeah. Did you, like, how did you feel about the differences between the two? Well, I mean, sounds like you know what the differences are, so how about how about you, you tell No, me? I mean, like, did you not watch it? It was very different. I did, but I, I, I don't remember it as oh. of right now. <clears throat> so, like, in the, the London version, so, like, they kind of revamped it for the 25th anniversary, and so in that version... He's wearing, like, a cloak, and, like, they're basically really not touching, but, like, their chemistry and their sexual tension is, like, really telling. And, like, you know, she's, like, all Miss Seductress, and, like, she's, like, touching him and, like, you know, pulling him this way and that way. And, like, he's literally, like, this man has a boner, and, like, he's legit, like, dying. And then he, like, his hands are, like, raising to, like, touch hers, and, like, they're shaking. And, like, I I found that, like, so sexy to me. (laughs) <laughs> this man could not even handle uh, his own song. Really? Like the actor, you mean? No, I mean like, yeah, the way that he portrayed the Phantom in that scene in the London okay. version was a lot different than how I saw Gerard Butler's. Obviously, it was different. I mean, Gerard did it for me. He was hot. Like, he was like seducing, you know, the <laughs> heck out of Christine. But like in the London version, he was the one being seduced and I, I died. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. A nice flip of dynamic. Yeah. I guess. And for some reason I found that so much more sexy to me the way it was happening. And I remember the first time I saw it on Broadway was that yeah. version of the song. It was like the one where he's all cloaked and like they're having that scene. And I'm like, is this allowed to show? Like I feel like this is too sexy to me. <laughs> How old are you? Yeah, young are you Sephra young? in the audience, like, oh my god. I was like, wait, why is no one else reacting to this? Like, hello, this is hot. Like, this is it. I genuinely feel some people are just not attuned to yeah. sexual tension. They yeah. just don't feel it when I it's coming know. off of other people. It's yeah, sad. I don't know. I, I loved both versions individually, but, like, just mm-hmm. the way things were done differently. I don't know. I just, I like seeing different interpretations of the same story. I might just be the only one, <laughs> but I love is seeing that, it. Is that the one where he's dressed in red, or is that when he arrives at the masquerade? Paper faces on parade. <laughs> masquerade. <laughs> um, no, I'm talking about the past point of no return where she's like, he's in like literally the black cloak and he looks like he's Lord Death. We didn't mention the gloves, but I do want to mention the gloves real quick because, you know, we are glove stands. We were all over the place this episode. I know, but I just felt like I had to mention. Mention the gloves, please. My glove kink was very satisfied with this movie. Very, very satisfied. Um, <laughs> we haven't talked about the upbringing of the Phantom. His life as a 
child. Yeah, no, let's talk about his his tragic story. Yeah, do you wanna do you wanna explain it, Seth? Sure. Okay, so um, Raoul is kind of worried and you know taken aback by the Phantom, and he's like, "What do we do? Like, clearly there's something more to his story." <clears throat> and then he rightfully so thinks um, Madame Giry is involved or knows more than she's willing to say at that point. So she goes to him, sorry, he goes to her and like they talk about um, how she knows the fandom of the opera. And uh, we find out as a child, she was in ballet school. She's like, there's a fair going on. And like one of the attractions is this child that's labeled the devil's child. And she goes there and she sees like the horrors of like, you know, all these people watching him and laughing and like throwing bones at him. And she sees his face because like the big attraction was like ripping off his mask and showing his face to the public. And so he takes it upon himself to kill his abuser, um, who was like his handler. And um, she takes him, the little boy who, you know, later on is a phantom and she hides him in the opera house. Like, and he starts playing and like, just like, living and growing in the opera house and that's just his story what's interesting to me is the fact that the patriarchal figure here was told the backstory which doesn't usually happen you know you think of the beast and uh what's his fucking name gaston gaston um you know Usually that figure in a in, in a story is like their first instinct is must destroy mm-hmm. the monster, must obliterate, must, you know, because it's a threat to my masculinity and my uh, power. What's interesting here is they usually don't get the backstory. Here he actually is told what happened to the Phantom and he still makes the choice to take that out, to take him out. That's interesting to me. That's like, yeah, roof. I'm telling you, he is the villain. I I am telling you. I agree you, okay? with you. The Phantom is not a good man, but Raoul is the true villain of this story. No, I totally agree with you. But I feel like we need to recognize at that moment they just mm. witnessed like a person dying, him kind of low key assaulting Christine and threatening the whole opera house, and he's like clearly genius has turned to like madness and like in his head that's what he sees as madness sure but it's but the masculine way is never to talk yeah it's never to reach out and understanding the other it's attack if it was christine who was told this her first instinct would have been to go to the phantom and try to reason with him Mm -hmm. to be like i understand what happened to you and what you're doing right now is wrong and here's why and yeah. I need you to work with me on this. It's fascinating and, to me. Yeah, I agree with that. And, like, Christine kind of even, like, mentions that later on when, like, she's kind of forced to put on this wedding dress. And she's, like, he thinks that she doesn't want to be with him because of his face. And she's, like, mm-hmm. nah, I don't want to be with you because your soul. Like, it's because of your, your soul. soul. Yeah. That's where the issue is. Your soul, not your face. What was that with the wedding dress, by the way? That was a little creepy. So, like, this man clearly made a mannequin, and he made a dress for his woman that he wanted to marry. He dreamt of marrying. He was just prepared. But, you know, it's okay to each their own. He was feeling a little lonely. Okay. To think, she saved time. She didn't have to go buy a dress. I love how she sees it, and she faints. <laughs> I'm like, same girl. I would think too. <laughs> Be a little too soon. It's our first night. First <laughs> yes, night, it's phantom. Our first time together, and here you are with a wedding dress. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to to go back to the backstory, um, what did you think, S? I mean, you've seen it before, so like you knew. So, but, you know. so okay, so wouldn't the villain be Madame Geary? Because mm. she helped him when he was Plot little. Plot twist. Yeah. And she helped him kind of get Christine in a way. Mm-hmm. And then towards... But she the- was keeping others from getting back from, to Christine yeah. and helping Christine. Yeah. That's true. So he's going crazy. He's going mad. Why wouldn't she try to help him again to try to calm him down? Or instead she goes and tells... Uh, what's his face? Whatever. Raul. Uh, Raul. Raul. The backstory... And then she sees that he's still going to go after him. And she does She does nothing. 
Like, where is that love that she had for him since they were younger? Like, there was some type mm-hmm. of love there, you know? Some mm. type of... Well, because the patriarchy told her that he is mad. Mm. Yeah, maybe there's there's so much she can do, you know? Like, there's a limit to what she can do to help him. But yeah. I can see your point because some of her actions do feel a little weird to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think it can be argued that, you know, she's a part of a villain. You know, she's yeah. she's working and maybe the villain is not one person maybe the villain is the system as a whole (laughs) and she's part of it i i honestly felt like she maybe felt like she was facilitating his behavior obviously with like helping Mm. christine get to him and like you know not allowing anyone else to get to her and like maybe she kind of like had a wake-up call in a way and she was like "Mm, maybe i uh, am doing some bad things the um the monkey oh the monkey yeah yeah. What do you think that means? I mean, I mean, like symbolically, right? That's that's there's symbolism with the monkey. So, I think it probably symbolizes just a return to childhood. Yeah, that's exactly mm. what I was gonna say. Um, <laughs> you know, especially it's especially clear in the twenty fifth anniversary when he's literally like clapping along with the monkey like a child would like a baby would mm-hmm. um i think that's what it signifies for him it's like a part of himself that he's never been able to have because he didn't have a childhood that was ripped away from him so i think it's the innocence of it no i agree with that and i also in the flashback of when he was a child he kind of created a, a monkey like a like his own type of doll with the symbols as well and i feel like that was a yeah. way that was his only I guess, comfort at that time. And I think it carried on in like his adulthood and it's just like a way of self-soothing maybe in a way. And then once uh, Raul gave it to Christina on like in her grave, I think it was like him maybe reconciling that maybe he did have a big part in her life. Like maybe he didn't realize that it like recognized the childhood nature of that. But um, yeah, I think maybe that's him recognizing that the phantom meant a lot to her. Or it's a, it's a foreshadowing, uh, the fact that the Phantom and Christine are going to have a child. I mean, but at that point, they're dead. Yeah, but, like, foreshadowing for the next movie. Oh. Oh. <laughs> that goes back in the past again. Lordy lord. It's all, it's all, uh, it's all flashbacks. Which is interesting because the way that the, like, the flashbacks are way more colorful than the present day, which is very gray, almost like black and white, almost. Like, it's, like, blue and white, so it's, like, dull and gray and colorless, whereas the present is very, 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 very colorful and vibrant and, you know, obviously musical and... I wonder if it, like, it was a... A perspective in a way, like, I guess maybe you're supposed to perceive that what the phantom Christine's life had color. What they created was truly as vibrant as life can get type of thing. Whereas, like, everything else is pale in comparison. Yeah, that's what I, that's how I perceived the, the flashbacks versus the present day. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good interpretation. I would because say. it only turned into color again when we saw the ring and the, the rose. Um, so... Before we started this episode, we chatted a little bit, and um, some of us wanted to talk about the kiss. Didn't we already talk about it? Oh, that's true. But did we mention on air that she's the one making the move? I don't think so. I think that was before. Oh, no, we talked about it. You wouldn't let us talk about this without... Well, we can talk about it again if you want to make sure. (laughs) Well, okay, how about we talk about it in the way that, like, I know you want to talk about it, that it's the, you know, the woman initiating... Pursuing her yeah. sexual desire. Yeah. I think that's key here. Yeah. I think if he had been the one kissing her in that instance, it really would have broken it in the sense that, like, he was already, you know, making all the moves and forcing most of the mm. moves, and you know, I would say. Um, so if he had taken that as well, I feel like that would have been a little bit too much. Um, but she's yeah. the one actually making, taking the next step, which to me kind of helps balancing things out a little bit. Yeah, I agree with that. And I also think it's interesting that she chose to kiss him 
Whereas that was never, ever a criteria asked, for him. Like it wasn't necessary. Yeah. He never asked for a kiss. It was more so just say you love me or like choose me. Just be like, I'm going to stay with the phantom. But she took it upon herself to kiss him. Or her choice uh, requires physical tr- touch. You know, like it's like, I don't know. I, I could take this in like a way that's a little like less cool where it's like oh like she has to offer herself with you know the acceptance of like yeah I'm taking you type of thing but whatever yeah. I won't but I never read the Phantom's character in that way in terms yeah, of like yeah. any version that I've seen and I've seen like mm-hmm. quite a few different versions with different actors I never saw him as someone that would force his attentions on her because he's always been so like afraid of her touch in a way that like he just pulls away or like he just doesn't he feel he's vulnerable with her and I don't see him as someone that would force affection like force to get affection from her um yeah. wait there's a song lyric where he says when she removes his mask and he says fear can turn yeah. to love you'll learn you'll learn to see to find the man behind the monster mm-hmm. how, how can we fit that into what you girls are saying but isn't there something that follows that? I feel like he says something after that and he sounds very broken. Like, it's almost like he wishes it would be, but it's not quite true. Like, he doesn't quite believe that. Stop it. My heart can't handle it, okay? Don't bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to cry? I see a little tear. <laughs> For some reason, I was so emotional yesterday. I was crying. I was like... Uh, this man just needs the love and like you know his like reprise of like all i ask of you like when he was like listening to them sing and watching them and like he's crying his eyes out and i'm like man just give this man christine just give her yeah i don't know maybe i maybe i misheard or misinterpreted the scene but to me he says that and from memory he says something else afterwards and it kind of makes you understand that he is trying to make himself believe that that's true but mm. he doesn't quite believe that it's possible that fear could that love could turn fear or fear could turn into love type of thing mm. do you know hugh jackman was originally the choice but like i'm so grateful he dropped out i actually think jared butler is such a is so much of a better choice because he's not conventionally attractive He's not unattractive, don't get me wrong. He was hot but he's not like the fan, pretty though. boy Hollywood type, you know? He's like a manly man. So it's like the 40, 46 minutes, 47 minutes in. All right, can you put it up so we can hear it? You can turn to love, you learn to see, to find the man behind the monster. This repulsive carcass. then she gives him his mask. See, that's so, like, the, the way that that sounds is, like, he's allowing himself to live in that dream, but he mm-hmm. knows it's not happening. You yeah. know, the way that the music goes from, like, you know, somber and stuff, and then suddenly it's like, do-do-do. You know, I feel to me like it's like he's imagining that it might be possible, but he knows it's not. I don't know. That's how yeah. I'm seeing it anyway. Yeah. I don't think he's there yet. <laughs> I think he's just a, such a lonely man. Obviously, mm. we know that. But I feel like ripping away, like, you know, the myth around the Phantom of the Opera, like, he's just very much a broken down man that, like, you know, he's always just, like, he's just a child inside. He's like never really grown into, mm. like, a man because of, like, you know, society and because of being locked away and, like, because of not believing in the possible good in society until he like meets Christine even Madame Jury wasn't a person that kind of like he could see like you know some goodness in humanity it was Christine that allowed him to see that but also even just being seen as a phantom yeah a ghost someone who's not actually real that's how he's seen by everyone like he's not 
perceived as a man. Exactly. And his name is never is. used in this movie. True. True. His name is not used yeah. here. And if y'all are curious, his name is Eric. Eric. It's Eric. Yeah. Spell spoke with a K. Isn't that isn't isn't that the name of the prince in uh, Little Mermaid? Yes, but his is spelled with a C. Oh. Excuse me. <laughs> uh, I was trying to I was trying to be knowledgeable about Disney and there you go. No, I like that take that he's never seen as a man and never seen as a person. Never. And he only seems somewhat human when he's with like Christine. And you know what's funny in that way is that all the books about ghosts or ghost lovers and stuff, there's always a touch starved aspect to it because it's like they can't be touched and they crave that. And here he is a man in the flesh. Like he is not an actual ghost, but no, he's perceived as the Phantom of the Opera. And he's similarly touch starved and like in need of affection. My heart just breaks for this man. I don't know. I feel like there's a conversation to be ha- had about the masquerade. It's because usually, you know, masquerades happen and there's no character that actually wears a mask as like part of their identity. Mm-hmm. Here, it's interesting because everyone's doning on like, you know, doning a mask. And yes. yet for him, it's like Permanent. that's his everyday. Yeah. And I find it interesting that for this scene, he goes from the half the mask that's like half his face to the entirety of the upper portion of his face, like his both of his eyes. Yeah. Why does he change his mask? And also, what could we take away from a scene where everyone puts on a mask that they don't need to be to keep on, whereas he walks in and he, you know, that his life is this mask. I know, my heart breaks. But yeah. um no, I mean I for me I feel like the whole masquerade scene basically is just people that are not fetishizing his disfigurement, but in a way they're kind of like they're able to put it on, have fun, take it off after. He is not yeah. able to do that. He feels like he has to wear that mask. And also like the mask of being the phantom in general. It's just something he has to keep on in order to like, you know, stay strong and like no don't like just not be vulnerable around people and like not see not be seen as lesser in a way why the change in the mask though is it just a costuming thing or does it have potential meaning i mean he kind of goes there and he's like no y'all are gonna be performing this opera and like he doesn't really like you know just like try to blend in like he's more so just like there to deliver and also, like, talk to Christine and, like, slowly look into her eyes and with love until he sees the necklace with the engagement ring and rips it off. And then mm-hmm. he disappears again. I don't know why they chose that mask. And, and it's a black mask as well. No, no, no. It's the white skull-like one. He wears the black one in that song, the sex song. Oh. Mm. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think the mask in that scene, this is just yeah. my interpretation of it. I, I, don't, I haven't That's read That's all we want. Of... We don't ask of you any more than just your opinion of it. Thanks. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm an expert on the Phantom. I know everything. Um, yeah. So, basically, <laughs> I took that mask as, like, you know, it's the white skeleton-looking one. I took it as him, like, making, like, fun of how other people perceive him as, like, a dead living in the ground phantom type of being so he takes it as like he is like the living dead in a way yeah or could also potentially indicate uh, a change of heart for him like he changes his mask because he is he has made a decision by that point like he's had enough <laughs> and he's like all right i'm gonna change my strategy because she's not coming back and here she is engaged to this other man um, so maybe it's like he's he's had a change of heart. He's like, all right, well, I'll just be a thief in the night and I'll freaking st- steal her away from myself. Also, do you think the mask maybe represents like his belief that is the, it is their end? You know, he's wearing like a, a dead skeleton like mask because he's going for revenge in a way. So he's like going to be their end, Could be. their demise. Do you, um, okay, let's get into, uh, territories that, um, we can't, you know, avoid. Um, that the Phantom's mine? Yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> Without the mask, what do you think of the Phantom? I still fuck him. Would you, would you fuck the Phantom? Yeah. 
And any version, yes. Even in the London Ooh, version. Not yes. not in the nineteen twenty five version, I can tell you that much, girl. It's horrifying. okay, yes. To be fair, I have not seen that version. <laughs> yeah, um if we're talking about two, the two thousand and four version and the London version, of course, I, I would them. still allow him to fuck me and be fucked by him. So would I. Honestly, when he took it off, maybe it's because I was I saw the nineteen twenty five version. Are you for sure it's like nineteen twenty five or am I just making that up? It's like nineteen early. No, 1900s. it's nineteen twenty five. I believe it's okay. nineteen twenty five. Uh maybe it's because I saw that version and he's fucking horrifying <laughs> Is in there. This the version? Yeah. <laughs> Holy which, fuck. He looks like Frankenstein if Hell anything. Oh no, we ain't fucking him. <laughs> So maybe that's why when I saw Jared Butler without the mask, I was like, well, he's not that bad. I'm fine with Ramin's version. I would let him fuck me. Yeah, like, that's not bad. They really tried to make him as fuckable as possible. They did. And that was some of people's gripes in, not that he's fuckable, but he obviously (laughs) is, but that his, his deformity wasn't as... Their, their direction they took with his deformity and how it didn't really seem much of like a disfigurement um in this movie version well because in in yeah in the musicals like in on broadway in london like literally anywhere else like it's like it's kind of similar to what you see in the london 25th anniversary version sure if you're like a phantom of the opera purist you're like well he's supposed to be way worse than that I can get that. But to me, I feel like you could even uh, decide to see it as it actually doesn't need to be that bad to realize that, yeah, society would turn on someone that looks like that just because we are so fearful of what's different or what looks wrong to us or whatnot. So it doesn't need much for us to turn our nose up at someone like that, you know? Yeah. So if anything, uh, you know, I don't know. That's yeah. that's how I would make sense of it. No, and I kind of somewhat think this kind of uh, goes. I said kind of so many times, but it kind of <laughs> it's kind of kind of like kind of kind of kind of not. Um, <laughs> so you talked about society, and like that for me is the monster for me in the story. I like I have like society's perception of beauty um, because we know the Phantom was treated like an animal like, in his childhood. We already know that. Um, he mm-hmm. was starved, forced, beaten to do, like, a lot of things. And um, as I said, he took his own fate into his hands and killed his handler, um, thus earning the title of murderer. So, like, he had to be hidden because he was deemed a murderer. But um, the whole abuse against him was conveniently kind of forgotten. Like, no one really cared about him being beaten as a child. No one really cared about, like, why he would probably kill someone. Um, because of his facial deformity. And um, despite being a genius with music and despite having like a voice like an angel, uh, he was no long he was not ever considered beautiful. and like society obviously deems perfect people as beautiful or like people that are like well put together or like, I don't know, I just feel like he had a different beauty to him that was never recognized. And that in turn kind of obviously made Christine change her perception of him as well despite knowing the beautiful side of him i wouldn't even say that his voice is the voice of a the voice of an angel like it was kind of rough it's in like a nice way but i like a great voice but no but i actually love that he doesn't because it contrasts Raoul's voice which does sound very good very nice very polished whereas for the phantom it's more rough it's more unpolished it's more there's life to it you know there's emotion to it there's a darkness to it that I feel fits the character very well but you need that contrast because again perfection is actually scary okay Raoul is actually scarily perfect quote-unquote perfect or trying to be trying to hide behind that like mask of perfection that uh the phantom can't afford he like he can't pretend that he's perfect so i love Mm -hmm. the roughness in his voice the masculinity in it no and i like that too and i feel like maybe i'm trying to think i think his voice is supposed to be really good but like Christine was supposed to be like the his angel in a way like you know like her voice yeah yeah i mean hers Um, yeah you hit it on the nose there with like What's his name? I was going to call him Patrick. Of Raoul. Uh, <laughs> of Raoul, like, being the perception of beauty. Like, everyone's like, ooh, he's the standard because he's so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, loneliness, isolation, yeah. what it can do to someone. 
um, you know, patriarchy, how it affects women, how, you know, women are not allowed to explore their darker selves. And if they do, it's like that's the only place where they can ever exist Mm -hmm. and nowhere outside of that. And, you know, how there's this mentality of hunting those who are weaker or those who look different or those who scare us as opposed to um, yeah. having conversations, reaching out with a helping hand, understanding the other. Uh, no, instead it's shut down the other. Yeah, no. And so. like you said, patriarchy for sure. Like one thing that really stood out for me was like, like she had her own thoughts of like what the phantom was like of course she believed him to be her angel of music but like it obviously alters and changes later on in the movie but like Mm. whenever Raoul kind of tells her his perceived truth of the phantom despite even not knowing him her thoughts mirror his and like they change and she views him as something fearful and like a murderer and like it just in the end she goes with like the guy that society deems the perfect choice the right choice Mm. um so yeah patriarchy is just annoying all right are we done (laughs) on that note on that note um that was it that was the episode on the phantom of the opera i almost just burst out into song i was gonna do it and then i told myself march don't i think my singing was enough we might not have listeners after my singing (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure that your singing was better than what i could have done no. Um, You're anyway, like the queen I, of singing. Let it go. Queen of singing. Uh, call me for Hollywood. Call me for uh, the 30th anniversary of Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> oh, I think it's Christine, more than that now. I can get that role. I just know it. Voice okay. of an angel right here. Right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, if you have anything you would like to let us know, anything you would like to add to our conversation, feel free to reach us online. We are on Instagram at Romancing the Monsters Podcast, also on Twitter at the RTM Pod. TikTok is Romancing the Monsters Pod. Uh, Gmail, if you prefer the long form, is Romancing the Monsters Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, if you're looking for a different kind of format or uh, you need slash want uh, captions, we are also on YouTube at Romancing the Monsters Podcast. So um, if you're on there, feel free to follow us as well while you're there. Um, and if you're looking for me specifically, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Foes and Lovers. And you can find me as on both Instagram and Twitter at But This Book. And you can find me, Seth, on both Instagram and Twitter at Pose with Woes. And also, please feel free to, uh, you know, maybe uh, rate us on Apple Podcasts subscribe <laughs> do not rate our singing though please no 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 because it will be in the <laughs> negatives like please one star review they sang it was horrible i hated it i i'm sorry for the singing honestly don't don't rate that just rate um us you know the quality of our conversations if you if you have the time and you uh just want to yeah and just just rate us and uh subscribe if you want to on any of the podcast platforms of course Um, All right. See you next week, guys. Bye. Bye.